Hello. Test. Testing. 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 Okay. You're listening to Mastering Metail, a brand new podcast series about how to succeed in the world of e-commerce. This podcast is brought to you by Digital Commerce at Essential. Essential's Digital Commerce Business Unit has a variety of brands ready to help you excel and grow in e-commerce, such as White Spider, Flywheel Digital, Perpetua, Edge, Spotlight, and OneSpace, and that's not even all of them. This season, we are focusing on Walmart, and Walmart was founded by Sam Walton back in 1962. Our company's built on people. The success we've had is because of our people, and I believe that you believed it from the beginning. All of our associates believe it. We've made partners out of our folks rather than employees. And they know that we've been sincere in trying to share the profits with them. And they, in turn, have worked harder than our competitors. We've kept our prices lower than our competitors' prices. We've led the nation in, uh, in, in, in cost of doing business, in sales per square foot, in all the measurements you can imagine over about a 15-year period in this business that, that we've all put together uh, here in Bentonville, Arkansas. Today, Walmart is the largest retailer in the entire world. We're going to dig into the key areas that suppliers need to focus on in order to succeed from both a retail and media perspective, which is where we get the title of this podcast, Mastering Retail. And we'll provide you with all of the knowledge that we have within digital commerce. A daunting task, but with the help of my colleagues that I enlisted for this season, I'm sure that you will walk away from this podcast with more knowledge than you have, regardless of your level of seniority in this space. And since we are talking Walmart in this season, you're going to hear a lot about Omnichannel. Omnichannel retail in of itself is a brand new type of industry, a new retail revolution, and it's building a plane while you're flying. Literally, that's what omnichannel retail is today. It's building the plane while you're flying. My name is Emma Irwin, and I entered the e-commerce industry fresh out of college about a year ago. I'm 23 years old, and normally I'm helping brands drive sales growth on Amazon at Flywheel Digital. But I'm also hosting this podcast, asking serious questions, and sometimes even trying to be a bit funny. That would not be an original joke, because I get that joke all the time. There is always room for learning in this industry, especially when you're like me and have really only been exposed to one of the major players. And how better for me to continue to expand my own knowledge than talking to some of the brightest minds we have at Essential. So why not join me for the ride? Ready to go. I'm starting off this season talking to the founder of one of Essential's digital commerce brands, White Spider. This is going to be the best interview of all time. Well, we'll see about that. It's up to the listeners to decide. But the man here with plenty of confidence is... I'll let him introduce himself. My name is Eric Howerton. I'm the founder and chief growth officer for White Spider. As Eric says, he is the founder of the company White Spider. He'll tell us the founding story and we'll also learn why the company is called White Spider. And that is white and spider spelled with a Y instead of an I. At one point in my life, I had decided to be an entrepreneur, although I didn't know I was deciding to be an entrepreneur. I was very young at the time, and, and I had another business before White Spider. I actually had a couple of them. But as far as White Spider is concerned, definitely saw a need for digital communications. And specifically, we, when we launched White Spider, 
it was dedicated towards e-commerce. And part of e-commerce, uh, one of the more important pieces is your search engine optimization. And in order to do search engine optimization correctly, uh, you really have to do it what we call with best practices technology. That's where the white comes from and white, white spider, the white. And then uh, the spiders represented the, uh, the search engine crawlers or the robots or AKA spiders. And so therefore you get white spider and white spider spelt with eyes dot com was taken. So we changed the eyes to wise and uh, also looked kind of cool. And so we got white spider.com and there we go. That's what happened. So our ambition in the beginning was always to set out to build an online commerce business with best practices. And you do that by telling the truth through content. And you can't trick or hack or spam the robots and the algorithms. And you certainly can't do that to human beings. And so our intention was always just to do optimization content the correct way so that not only can you get discovered, but then you can convert and then you retain the algorithms and the, the users that are looking at the web pages. We'll learn about Eric's three key considerations when it comes to winning in e-commerce with a special focus on Walmart. And you'll learn a lot about the wonders of Arkansas in this season, too. Wonderful water, rivers, lakes, wonderful mountain biking trails, and great people and sweet tea. I'm sold. Good, isn't it? Yeah. yeah I'm so welcome. Welcome to Arkansas. I'm sold. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what is the last thing you purchased from Walmart? I purchased some Quest bars because I'm trying to curb my appetite so I don't eat so much other stuff like pizza and ice cream, all the things that I love. Are they helping? A little bit. Depends on if I eat them fast enough. <laughs> <laughs> and then I also bought, at the same time, some ant killer <laughs> because... Got to murder some ants. Yeah, because I had some apples on the shelf that went a little long and ants started coming around and my wife doesn't like ants. They don't really necessarily bother me too much. I mean, I could actually live out in the woods in a cave with ants all around. Do you have fire ants down here? You do. You have to go a little bit further south, just a little bit. I mean, you can find them around here. We can go look for them if you want to. But, but I'll if, add that to our itinerary. Yeah, when I see them, you know, I get away from them. I don't run into them too much. But yeah, about that ant killer, actually, it's the best ant killing bait that there is. I mean, it like works every time. And did you buy those two things at Walmart? or it was specifically went to the store because I didn't need it 24 hours from now. I need it right now. Last thing before we go back to our regularly scheduled program. <laughs> What is something that has been on your digital wish list? So by that, I mean, it just like sits either in your mind or on a tab on your computer or something. It doesn't have to be on walmart.com, but something that you just won't actually convert on. However, you're not going to answer it right now. I'm going to round out our entire interview with that, but I'm putting it on your brain so that you're not fully like, I need time to think about that when we get back to it. Got it. Okay. As mentioned, we're focusing on Walmart for this season of Mastering Meat Tail. And we're pulling knowledge primarily from White Spider. So I asked Eric how White Spider came to be so knowledgeable about Walmart. When we initially launched, we were really dedicated towards going after regional type businesses that wanted to start a national footprint through e-commerce. And we did everything from A to Z, right? Everything from building up their e-commerce platform, using Magento to email marketing, search engine optimization, pay-per-click, SEM, social media, whatever it took, right? And then creating that content. But we were founded and headquartered here in Northwest Arkansas. So, you know, I was born and raised in Arkansas. So I've always known Walmart my entire life. Like you can't be from Arkansas and not know about Walmart or even shop at Walmart. 
and so and especially in northwest arkansas where walmart's headquarters are it was pretty obvious that when you have walmart world's largest retailer and then walmart's suppliers or major brands so i think there's roughly around three thousand four thousand individual major brands that are have office locations in our area between bentonville rogers and fayetteville and so as an entrepreneur, it's, it's a pretty obvious target, right? You're like, hey, I want to do business with Procter & Gamble or Kimberly Clark or Alcon or Tillamook, whoever it might be. And uh, so you set after, you know, wanting to be involved in that community. And so when we originally started, we, we were doing e-com before e-com was cool, right? And so at that time when we were founded back in 2010, as crazy as it seems, it's only been a little bit over a decade but e-commerce was not really that cool, especially within the Walmart ecosystem, right? Because uh, it was all about brick and mortar, shopper marketing, store marketing type principles, even at Walmart and even with the suppliers. And so as we had started our business, we were helping those regional businesses out. And as we we're trying to break into kind of that Walmart supplier market, there wasn't too much of an interest in our digital e-commerce kind of capabilities, but we wanted it. And it made a lot of sense. And then as we started noticing and talking with suppliers, their Walmart.com did start to kind of graduate from Walmart's perspective and suppliers were starting to feel a little bit of pressure as Walmart was starting to grow that digital side of their business. We noticed that the product detail page for some of the biggest brands with some of the biggest items that everybody in the planet knows, but you would go to the Walmart.com product detail page where people click add to cart and the titles were not written with optimization. The descriptions were not SEO optimized. The images were one or two or three, didn't really tell a story. There was no rich media. And I was dumbfounded being an e-com expert going, how in the world can you have one of the most well-known items and brands in the world at the world's largest retailer on that.com and not have the best product detail page on planet earth? Like it, it made no sense to me. And I was like, hey, that's a huge market need. You know, we can take all of our e-commerce capabilities, knowing that the ultimate landing page of all transactions falls on that product detail page. And we know exactly how to make that the best. And so that's what we set out to do. And we got connected with Walmart. Uh, they were just starting their content service provider program. And uh, when we got connected with them, we quickly realized that it's not e-commerce that Walmart's going after. It is omni-channel retail. With that, we can move into Eric's first key consideration when it comes to winning on Walmart. And his first point is that omnichannel is important. Omnichannel is the winner, not e-com, not brick and mortar, all of it together. That's the winner. That's where Walmart's going. That's why I believe in it because it's not necessarily, I mean, I do believe in Walmart, really believe in omnichannel as the ultimate solution to the shopper demand, period. And I tell this to people all the time, like I see e-commerce really as becoming the most inconvenient way to transact in a couple of years. If I wanted a six pack of Coke, right? And I call it Coke for from Arkansas, right? So it means soda pop. If I said, hey, Emma, let's get us a six pack of Coke. And I could have a choice of going online, ordering online and having it shipped to my house in 24 hours versus going online and having it brought to us delivery in 10 minutes. Same price. Same product. The only difference is, is the convenience of when I get that, I can bet you a lot of money that most people will choose the 10 minutes, right? All that stuff's going to get, that's going to be part of doing business. 
I guess that's a, one of the biggest questions of the day for Omnichannel. It's one of the, the barriers. But if you look over the last five years, delivery fees and subscriptions and all these types of things, like how are you going to financially make this model work? They are working really hard and relentlessly to figure those things out because they know that that's a barrier. But if I can get it to you in 10 minutes versus 24 hours, and on that point, I personally, this is me, would probably pay an extra two bucks to get it in 10 minutes than I would wait for 24 hours because my time's more, everyone's time because of technology is more valuable than money. Doug Millen's even said that, right? Time is more of a valuable currency than the money itself. You have to be very, very active these days. I think that where typically a supplier might have one point of contact to get business done at Walmart, like you're going to have probably five. And you need to know what they're responsible for, what they're trying to accomplish. And, and as a supplier, approaching any one of those connections with the intention of how can I help you win omnichannel Walmart? I mean, I think that's the big thing is like you, as a supplier, you have to have the vision that Walmart is omnichannel. It's not e-com. It's not brick and mortar. It is all in one and the same. Walmart has a, ma a massive objective and a challenge to figure out Omnichannel, especially at the scale that they're at. But proof's in the pudding. I mean, you can look around at Walmart and see that they have made significant advancements and investments over the last years to get to this ultimate state of convenience for their shopper, for their customer, right? And so as a supplier, if I can kind of catch that vision, right? It's like, I know that as a supplier, if I want to win and grow my business at Walmart, I have to be an omnichannel supplier, which I think is, it, it's, it's definitely a change of mindset. It's a vision that you attach to. So once you have that vision, then you can understand why there are five people that I have to work with versus the one or two that I used to work with. And then once I have that, I'm able to detach those folks. Well, okay, what is it about each one of those that's important? Why do they have their roles and responsibilities that's important for the omnichannel solution? And how can I reach out to them to come to the table as an omnichannel supplier for that particular contact and have a solution in place for that particular person. And you might have to have more folks on your team as a supplier that are starting to isolate. Okay, I got one for supply chain omnichannel. I have one for content omnichannel. And I have one for branding omnichannel. And you know, it's just thinking about how I approach Walmart. So much of e-commerce comes down to convenience and which retailer can truly win the convenience game first. But Eric actually has a different take on this. Brick and mortar in and of itself is a very convenient way to transact, which is why it still probably dominates a lot of the sales because it's much more convenient for me to run in the store than to wait 24 hours when I need something right now. If I could have had that delivered to me without skipping a beat and I could have done something at home while that's getting delivered, that would be a perfect solution if it got to me faster than I could get to the store and back. That's success. But in order to do that, then you go into the other convenience of not only is it the delivery and all that stuff, but it's what, what we're missing, back to your big question earlier, is the problem. The problem that we're really missing today and what we do at White Spider to help is I need it to be convenient to find products and to understand that that product is what I'm actually looking for and it solves a problem. Because I'm going to botch the name. There, there's an ant killer that I got, or Orthel or something like that. I mean, the brand's not going to be happy with me. Hopefully, they don't reach out for help, but I mean, might be a reason why they should, because I can't remember the name, but anyway, so there's a specific type of ant bait killer that I know that works that I've used in the past. And I wanted that one. When I go to the store, I can see it. I can pick it up. 
look at it and have absolute 100% confidence. This is the bait that I used in the past, but can I go online and quickly find it if I type it in because I'm going to botch the brand name, but I'm looking for an ant killer, liquid ant killer. So I'd probably type that in ortho, which would probably be wrong, ortho liquid ant killer. And whatever pops up in that search result, is that the one? I better be able to click on that image and it quickly load and I see it and I can read it and I can see, okay, is that it? I can look at the picture. I can look at the side. I can look at the front. Okay. Does it come in a pack of six? How, you know, it, it, cause it's going to, it comes in a box and I better be able to recognize that and see that there's six of them inside, but I can bet you that they don't have all that detail. So it's imagery real quick from the title description and imagery and the results that I can confidently say, okay, add to cart. That's what I want and have it delivered to me. So that's the problem. That whole experience of discoverability digitally that's quick that we're trying to conquer that's the same as in store picking it up. And that's where content comes in. That was point number one. Omnichannel is important and it is the winner, as Eric said here. Luckily, we have a whole episode about Omnichannel coming up. Eric's next point is that everyone in this industry has to be ready to adapt and has to embrace change. I can honestly say over the last decade of working in this line of business, like I learn new all the time. And I think that anybody that's been here for a while would say the same thing. I mean, like what we did 10 years ago, five years ago, heck, even last month is different than what we're doing today. We all know that anybody that's in this industry, we can agree with that. Like if you don't love to change, if you don't love that challenge personally, it will consume you because it never ends, right? It never ends. The work that you're doing never ends. And the fact that it's changing never ends. This is not an assembly line job by any means whatsoever. I really appreciated the way that Eric looks at the actual humans behind so much of the work in our industry. You got to find somebody with the right talent and passion. I mean, you literally got to find the people that are passionate about data, that are geeking out about taxonomy, because that's where a lot of the magic is, especially on the discoverability side. And by the way, a never ending taxonomy. What we see a lot of times is that we can discover suppliers that have done pretty well with their taxonomy and their attributions, but then like they do that right at setup, but then they stop and they're not aware of changing style guides, quality scores, things that the catalog is needing. And so you have to have somebody that's dedicated to that and that continuously evolves with it. But at the end of the day, the way that I honestly see this is that, yes, we're talking about a lot of business problems, but businesses, at least in 2022, are nothing but filled with people and people are human beings and people and human beings have emotions. You're not talking about a lack of intelligence. There's an emotional intelligence that's going behind this, right? And at the end of the day, if people are stressed out and cannot get their job completed, they are out of capacity and there's a missing vision from the industry as a whole, it's not a very beneficial type of purposeful life. I think that we see a lot of times, I've seen a lot of folks that move jobs or get out of the industry or new folks coming in and it's all exciting and they're gone in two years. I mean, it's just this revolving door. And I believe personally, that's because a lot of times we just, we're not latching onto the vision to understand what is really being required. And so that way, the emotional well-being of the individuals at the suppliers are ready to handle what they're walking into and same for the retailers. So let's just recap. Eric's first point was that Omnichannel is important for winning on Walmart. The second we just covered is that you need to be willing to adapt and change, and you need to have people who are willing to learn constantly on your team. But before we move to the last point, 
Let's enjoy a brief moment of bonding between me and Eric as we discovered that it is just no bueno when things disappear from your virtual basket after some time. I've also had a lot of items that are in cart that I'm just going to come back to later and then it disappears. And then That's you can't no find bueno. it again? No bueno. Well, they get rid of all the items in my basket. I hate that. I hate that I hate so that. much. <laughs> Come on. Like, you can have all my privacy and all my personal information. Just keep my stuff in the cart, <laughs> right? Keep my basket, man. And then I let me know it. if you're out of stock and I put it in my basket. Let me know when it comes back in stock. That'd be great because I would yeah. buy from you. Yeah. But no one lets me know. So now the onus is on me to go do the research. I don't have time you know? for that. I don't have time for that. That's part of the problem we're living in today. Like, everybody wants you to do the work. Yeah. Like you sign up for something, like I got to go do all the work to download the app and put in my information. You know, it's like all the onus comes back. Oh, if you want to check out, you have to go complete this. I believe that's another problem figured out. And then let's move on to the last point. I'll let Eric describe this. He kind of took control here anyway. I know I've taken over the podcast show. I'm sorry about that. The topic is about the importance of the catalog. But as I said, let's let Eric describe. There's still the fundamental problem of Omni Retail that needs to be solved, and it's pretty simple, but it still isn't solved. The catalog. Omni Channel will not be successful. The retailer won't be successful. The brand won't be successful. And most importantly, shoppers won't be successful. And then also algorithms won't be successful. Technology won't be successful without absolute best in class, never ending, constantly evolving, more detailed, accurate, complete information at the product level. Boom. And it's not a set it and forget it, right? This isn't a, a chicken rotisserie oven where you set it, walk away for 30 minutes, and then you come back and it's just ready for you and juicy. You can't do that in this business. You have to, A, face the problem dead on. You have to look at your catalog. If I got 100 items or I got 10,000, if you have 10,000, sorry, you got to put more emphasis and more investment in your 10,000 item catalog. And you have to get in at the item level understand everything from research and development and engineering. Why did you create that product? What are the qualities about that product? All the way to understand the shopper behaviors. What are they actually looking for, right? To retail parameters about how their catalog works, to the way an algorithm works. All those things put together and relentlessly go into the catalog and complete as many attributes as you possibly can. Every retailer is different. So you got if you're, if you're in 20 retailers, guess what? You need 20 different versions of your catalog. Oh, don't forget about Google. You need all those things and you have to invest. Right when you create the item, you get it in the market. You can't stop there. Like you have to massage that puppy. Like, I mean, every week you should be looking at the entire, I mean, like if you did it really well and right, that's how you have to go about it. So clearly the catalog is important, but dedicating the right resources to your catalog can be tough and the work is time consuming. This led me to ask Eric about any risks that could exist from spending too much time on the catalog. Yeah, I think that there's, the big risk that I've seen a, a really vicious cycle for both the retail Walmart and suppliers is just not doing it right with the right approach. The content that's needed in order to make shopping work in the omnichannel environment is what we call more merchandising related content than it is marketing content. There is a place in, I mean, I have a lot tremendous amount of respect for the creativity, the high level, you know, branding, like what you see mostly in the ecosystem and the environment today. But marketing content is different than, and creative content is a lot different than the merchandising content. Merchandising content is definitely doesn't strike the, the bone of, of a creative person, right? We're talking about specifications and attributions, really boring spreadsheet stuff. You got to find somebody with the right talent and passion. I mean, you literally got to find the people that are passionate about data. 
that are geeking out about taxonomy because that's where a lot of the magic is, especially on the discoverability side. And by the way, a never ending taxonomy. What we see a lot of times is that we can discover suppliers that have done pretty well with their taxonomy and their attributions, but then like they do that right at setup, but then they stop and they're not aware of changing style guides, quality scores, things that the catalog is needing. And so you have to have somebody that's dedicated to that and that continuously evolves with it. Nobody wants to do a lot of this work. That's part of the problem that we have, right? It, it's how do you find the talent that people that are passionate, like they are in the creative side, that are passionate about the merchandising side in the digital space? And I've seen that as, as kind of a recurring vicious cycle. And so the vicious cycle to that is, is that you get everybody on board. Everybody's excited to create this wonderful new content for the catalog. And then it gets put into this big creative ecosystem that, you know, has all this expensive dialogue and meetings and direction. And, and then you lose the fact that, Hey, I just need a freaking spreadsheet built for my 30 items that are 30 columns wide. And then I need to do it again next week. And so people might take six months to build this beautiful content for their catalog, but all the while they're missing sales from day zero to six months. There's missing sales. And then, by the way, when they get it published, then they have publishing syndication issues, right? Because nothing works perfectly. I mean, I would love to just send a piece of content to Walmart and it goes published immediately and everything's hunky-dory and fine. It worked. It doesn't happen. I mean, it's too complex. The catalog is too complex. And so publishing that content and then making sure it sticks and stays, you know, because Walmart has, you know, just even last year, Walmart changed their entire website architecture into an omni-channel website. That has impact. I mean, it's like changing softwares, you know, data gets lost. And so you have to stay attuned to that. And so that vicious cycle, I've, and then I've seen people try to hire internally for it. That's danger zone. And that's not a plug. I mean, that's just legitimately, I have very rarely seen suppliers internalize a merchandising content team and be really successful at it. I'm talking about like the ideal state of success, right? I'm not talking about just marginal success or cooperation. Just it takes a group of niche specialists that where you can have some fundamental resources internally, but you got to rely on expertise at that particular catalog because it's just, it's a spider web. No pun intended. Ooh, <laughs> Ooh I know. I just threw that out there. It's a white spider web that you have to just kind of constantly be willing to crawl and to navigate and to discover and, and to improve. And it takes an army. That just about wraps up the first episode of Mastering Metail on Walmart. But I'll leave you with these words from Eric about Omnichannel. What this is, is an, it's an ideal. It's not a goal, right? An ideal is a goal that you can never really attain, but you still shoot for it. So it's an ideal state that we're in. That's Omnichannel. Of course, I had to come back to my digital wish list question. We're back to your digital wish list. Yes. That thing that you just won't actually press buy now. You could, you probably have added it to cart. Well, that might just be me, but you won't press buy now. And why? I can tell you the reason I don't press buy now Okay. is because of lack of information. I'm not confident to buy it. So I like this brand called Arcteryx. Yeah, I can see that. He's yeah, fully decked out decked in Arcteryx. Out, I, I almost made a joke if you have a brand deal with them or something earlier. Every, that would not be an original joke because I get that joke all the time. <laughs> I've only ever seen you with the Arcteryx, like, is it a bird? I think it's a bird yeah, it's, skeleton. It's like a dead bird. Yeah. <laughs> so I get frustrated because I can't find the inventory. And 
I don't trust some of the other places that maybe I've discovered the inventory. Gotcha. And yeah. so I've got that added and I just don't check out. And that fully wraps up our first episode of this season of Mastering Retail. Come along with us as we continue to dig deeper into winning on Walmart through both a retail and media lens. And be sure to listen to the next episode where we talk about Omnichannel, what that really means and how suppliers need to think about it. If you enjoyed this episode, please like us, follow us and share the word. We are here to bring you the best e-com knowledge that's out there, courtesy of digital commerce at Essential. I was your host, Emma Irwin, and this episode was produced by Klaus Cancel with sound design by Enos Satenji. See you next time. Boom, bam. Mic drop. <laughs>